me and Kanye had like an interesting relationship when he was younger because obviously I'm older and we was talking. He was like, yo, man, I'm going to Hawaii. Make him some piece of Jay. You want to come work together? And it was a foreign thought to me. I'm like, why would we <laughs> do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do the same similar but you're going to hit the kick and I hit the snare. Like, how is this going to... But I was like, don't worry, just go. Just, just go. go. Yeah. Just go. Oh, Lord, Jesse made another one. What's going on, y'all? I'm your host, Brandon Jinx Jenkins, and welcome back to another episode of the Rap Caviar Podcast, which you can watch exclusively on Spotify. This week, we're breaking down the evolution of production in hip-hop, and to do that, we have three Grammy-winning producers sitting up here with me. We got Hit Boy, we got Bangladesh, we got No ID. What's up, y'all? What's, What's up, bro? How you doing? Sorry. I feel like we'll do hip-hop shows like this. We'll have conversations all the time, but we rarely get three producers in a room, let alone three Grammy-nominated producers in a room. This is like... This is rare. I'm sure it's not rare for y'all. Y'all probably hang out, but to do this on a talk show, I feel like it's kind of is there's something new about it. For me specifically, walking in, I ain't even know uh, no idea was gonna be here or bro. I'm like, I, I admire both of these guys. We didn't studied, prep y'all at all. Studied nah, nah, these nah. guys all that. Well, I knew know? they was gonna be here. Like, I, I was informed. I had the, <laughs> I had the inside scoop. But uh, yeah, I admire both of these guys too. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Well, look, you guys know, sounds and hip-hop are constantly changing and evolving, from early break records to boom bap and R&B-infused hip-hop, all the way to more modern production like trap, drill, and other corners of music that are less clear genre markers. And not just the sound, the technology has changed, the business around it has changed. So the three of you have all come up in different eras. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys about the evolution of production and what you do. But I think for just my own interest, I'm curious about when you guys kind of started. Um, no idea we could start with you. Um, not necessarily what got you in the game, but like when you first started out, what were some artists, producers, and sounds that really attracted you and helped develop your style? Hmm, that's a good question. It's so long ago. <laughs> it's literally like next month in my 30th year putting music out. Damn, I love that. Um, that's dope. But before all that, you know, I'm from Chicago, so really I was making like house music. That's what was happening in Chicago. And then um, my friend I grew up with was common. And he, he would go to uh, out of town and rap. He'd bring it back around. And really, I wanted to be a rapper first. And really, it was like Rakim that kind of made me want to do music. And I wasn't even thinking about being a producer, but I did know what type of beats I liked. So I just would try and learn how to make beats for me. And literally, he just started using all my beats. And then I was like, oh, well, I guess. It's working out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just be a producer. So it was, it was an accident. You know, my early influences are probably Molly Maul. Mm. I name people people don't talk about, like Sid G and Paul C, Eric B on the production, Large Professor, Q-Tip, Premier, Dre. You know, all mm. of that we were just listening to them. And I'm in a city where we don't really have a sound mm. at that time. Which is crazy really to have think of like now. a real scene. So it was just our interpretation of the things we liked. Yeah. So. It's ill to, to start out and say your city doesn't have a sound. And now when I think about it, like if you ask like a 20 year old, like Chicago's been there for them their whole lives and they've watched that sound evolve and change. Yeah. But it was two sounds you had. Kind of like the Southside sound, which was sound, which was what we were doing. Then you had Traxter, 
and Twister and Do or mm. Die on the west side. So, which kind of bled down into South with the rap a lot and the different things. So we had it was just always like a melting pot. So we could always kind of have a little license to make it what we wanted to be. Yeah, some freedom to it. Yeah, Bangladesh. What about you? I would say like would develop my style like Timberland. I was a mm. Tahita, one of the greatest. Teddy Riley, Organized Noise. I would say them three. Yeah. To be honest. Well, that's a great palette, by the way. And as you say it, like, as you guys are saying it, the ones, I knew some of yours, I know everyone that you're saying, you can you can hear traces of it, you know, just as a fan. Yeah, but I'm absolutely. sure for you, it's much more intricate than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you everybody's inspired by something. So, you, yeah. you know, you got to take your inspiration and make it your own thing. You know, you don't want to, like, steal styles or, you know, just do that the whole time. Facts. I, I, would, I would say, like, it definitely inspired me to create my own sound. I remember the day I transitioned into Bangladesh. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it started sounding like mine. Hit for you. I think, um, especially in this era, I feel like people, like, that's a Hit Boy record. This is before the tag, right? Wow. We'll get to produce the tags later, but this is before the tag. Um, and I think for all you all, you guys are so diverse in what you do, but there's still signatures to what you do. For you, what was some of your early influences that broke into like, okay, this is kind of the Hit Boy thing? Man, it's funny. Uh, Bangladesh was just talking about being inspired. And uh, I definitely, I feel like I remember an interview and you said something about the song you did with Mario, Sean Garrett, and you had that that snare mm -hmm. pattern. And I basically was a kid. I was living in Fontana, bro. I, I took that snare pattern and put it on <laughs> niggas in Paris. I'm real enough to admit it. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I can love you anymore. When I get you some more, why would you wanna break up? Gucci! So I definitely been inspired by Bangladesh, I, and I definitely it's crazy the the the, the Timberland comparison because you definitely yeah. use them obscure yeah, sounds that yeah. most people wouldn't even gravitate towards, yeah. and you put them in context and you know make them sound ill. And um, yeah, but I mean just as far as early inspirations, being living in Pasadena between Pasadena and the IE, listening to a lot of gangster rap, NWA, mm. Snoop was like my favorite rapper, Ice Cube, like. Um, that, but then also like a lot of R&B because my uncle was in a group called Troop. Yeah. So I um heard a lot of R&B. I heard their music. I heard stuff that Teddy Riley was making. Who, who was your face. uncle in Troop? Who was? Uh, my uncle was Rodney B. Oh, word. Yeah, he, him and my grandma, like they put the group oh, together. Oh, for real? Yeah. And, uh, he was like the choreographer, so he made okay, it. You know what I'm and then yeah, he put the shit together. Troop so. was a big inspiration too. Crazy. I love that. Crazy. That's hard. Yeah, but yeah, just like a melting pot, uh, everything, R&B, rap, soul, whatever. You know, I feel like breaking into the game has changed tremendously over the years, right? Like today, it's completely different. Um, when I talk to a lot of producers that have been at it for, you know, more than a decade, definitely more than the modern social media era or the YouTube era, per se, um, they talk sometimes about like apprenticeship or like working alongside another producer or alongside someone else in music. I feel like I've heard some of your stories about that. I want to say with like Polo to Don, if I'm not mistaken. Polo, yeah. I moved to Atlanta one year out of high school. I was 19. And uh, just being able to see Polo, he he working on Fergie, Pussycat Dolls. He doing mm -hmm. all these big pop records. I'm watching just that level. And he's doing, you know what I'm saying? He, he got his business in order and just like, he was just moving crazy, man. So that was like priceless for real. 
what do you feel like you picked up um, just from that experience, whether it's style or learn how to do business or even just learn how to like maybe be in the studio? Man, everything. Like one of his true gifts was being able to talk to people and just like, you know, had him had that connection with him outside even the music and that just make people want to rock with your music make people want to champion you or whatever the case may be so i learned that side of it and then like definitely like just being creative man like he is another person who would take some sounds that don't make sense kind of timbaland influenced and you know i'm from that same branch mm. no idea what about you <laughs> um i mean again you're talking about the 80s in Chicago. Yeah. There wasn't nobody. But that was really I, ahead of you to be able to... No, nah, yeah, it was nobody to... You know, there were people that were on our level where we were all trying to figure it out. And if I named them, you would, you know, well, it wouldn't that, be like apprenticeship. It would be more like... Um, like a guy named uh, Rhythm, Sean Rhythm Ross is the first person that kind of gave me like a drum machine and said, you know, but again, he's just... a person in Chicago that did music. But even then, like, there's a barrier entry that's a little bit different, like, gave you a drum machine, right? Like, this is a completely different barrier entry. First off, giving it to you, right? Having it is completely different than today being able to, like, go get a cracked program. Well, yeah, that, I mean, like, if you really study it, though, before the drum machines, the engineers were kind of the producers. Mm. Like, Marley Ma had access to all these artists because they had to come to him to record and they had to bring the records. And that's why so many different people from Burroughs was coming to him is because it wasn't like it. now. It wasn't on the computer. It was like, I got to go to that studio. Oh, he going to loop that up for me, make it go like this. And then he'll say that's how he became a producer. Because, like, new drum machine come out, you don't have no money. It's only a few in the town. Mm. Like... You gotta be in position to get it, or you just going in the studio, taking a shot, you know, with a drum machine in there or something that on the clock too. On the clock, right? Yeah. You know, and I ain't had no money. Mm. You know what I mean? So, but the first people that I get credit to really teaching me, teaching me was the Beat Nuts. Mm. When I went out Damn. to New York and we met them and different people that were working on, I think, like Chi Ali and Fat Joe and Pond was out there. It was all on this Relativity Records. And they was the first people that I saw, like, oh, 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 okay. And I went back home and started buying records. And, like, really, that's probably the difference between Resurrection and Can I Borrow a Dollar? Is that, Is that education. Experience? Yeah. So to be there where you're kind of learning with your peers at the same time, there aren't that many examples ahead of you. And if there are... The proximity and the barrier of entry to get there is is makes it more difficult. How does that change your ability to to foster apprenticeship, right? Like for people to come in there and you're looking at a game is completely different. There's dudes that are blowing up now that they don't got an OG. There's no one ahead of them. They might not have these in-studio experiences. Some of you all have. They might literally blow up, not overnight, but from their crib. And it's it's a different landscape. If you don't have somebody helping you, you're probably gonna not have a long career. Mm. Right? You know, a lot of people blow up and then, you know, because if you just got lucky or you just figure something out and you don't really have anybody to get you through the ups and downs of the business, it's not sustainable if you really think about it. When I think about who was hot when I started mm. and who's really still making records, it's it's not. The numbers are thin. <laughs> it's slim yeah. pickings we're going to count on. It's like... If you win, you don't know how you won. It could be considered luck. 
right? In order to be able to pick apart what you did that worked, that's when you can kind of repeat it and make it part of your system, part of your... Or grow it. Yeah, yeah. Because you got to evolve through decades mm-hmm. if you want to stay current. Yeah. You mentioned that you had met him in, this is in Atlanta. Do you remember the meeting? I remember it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember it. <laughs> was, was it at Zach's? It was at Zach's. And, um, you know, it's a funny story. So Polo, I used to, we used to hoop in, in uh, Atlanta. And it was always this irritating guy I go play against. And he, like, he, you know, we'd get into it on the court. So then one day at A&R, I was like, I want you to come meet this artist. And I walk in the room, and it was, uh, I want to say it might have been Rich Kid and Polo. Rich Boy? Rich Boy. Crazy. Um, and it might not even be, but. Was you working with Brian Kidd? So, I'm, yeah, when we get to okay. that. So, yeah, so I'm like, you, man, you, you, you. And this really before he, it it worked. So mm. I, I literally got like, I was like, give me some beats for one of my artists. And a lot of them records you're talking about was on the beat CD. Like the Fergie and the Ludacris. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Right? So I kind of watched him come, uh, into, come into it. right? Yeah. And then he would get sounds sometimes from one of my, uh, this guy I met named Brian Kidd. And so one shout day. Shout out to Brian Kidd. Yeah, shout out to Brian Kidd. Legend. And um, I think I came over there one day and it was you, Elvis, Polo. I know Chase had to be there. Chase, <laughs> right. So, but it was just. We, you know, we, I didn't think this was going to happen. You know? <laughs> yeah, we have this album right now. Well, I'll meet you too. First yeah. time we met, I think, was in the hallway of my studio. You was with uh, Coach. Coach K. I want to say. Yeah, that sounds Through Coach. Right. Yeah. Did right. you have a moment for yourself where there was some level of apprenticeship where you were like, oh, I'm like working directly with someone? Not exactly like the inspiration of people that might be far off, but someone you're like, they showed me how to be in a studio. They might have gifted me my first equipment or whatever that is. I remember when I first made What's Your Fantasy for Ludacris. Um, I love that record. Um, Shaka Zulu was friends with Timberland. Timberland actually wanted to sign me to... I never talked to him personally at that time, but Shaka came back to me. He's like, yeah, man, Timberland want to fuck with you. Um, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah Timberland, Timberland want to rock with you. But he was like, yeah, but I think you 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 straight on your own. So, like, I'm not really a, a sign-to-a-person type of character. Mm-hmm. But I would have loved to, like, you know, have that mentorship or be shown. Kind of be, yeah. Yeah, like, like Sonics. But even without that, you said you kind of, uh, it happened for you quickly, right? Or not even, I don't want to use the word quickly. It happened for you before you were able to accomplish the goal of maybe like networking more, reaching organized yeah. noise. When you say happened for you, I imagine that's your break, right? Yeah. What was that break? Um, well, I was a barber. You know, I cut hair. Mm. So um, my best friend, like the, the high school I went to is a prestigious high school. You know, everybody went there. Kenan Thompson went there. I used to sit at the lunch table. I had no money. I, you know, I, I ain't eat lunch. So I just sit there. I'm quiet to myself. So I would notice this other dude across the across the table. He He's like the same way. Mm-hmm. So after a while, we started talking to each other. His cousin was Lil Fate. Lil Fate is a ludicrous mm-hmm. right-hand man. So they formed a group. I-20, Lil Fate, and, and, and Ludacris, they had this group. So he would come to my shop. He'd get his hair cut. He had an afro. I'd line him up. And one day he came, I lined him up, and I told him, I said, I said, 
Y'all just bought me an NPC. So the next time he came to the shop, it was probably two weeks later, man. I had like this, like four beats on this tape. I had just bought me a, a Galan Mitsubishi. I took him to my car and uh, I put the tape in and like he was just, he was sitting in the passenger seat just like the whole, all four beats. So by, when we was walking back to the shop, he's like, man, what you doing with them beats? I said, man, what we doing with them beats? Like, what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what we doing? <laughs> you know? So he was like, man, give me that tape. So I gave him the tape. So as I would make beats in mine's basement, I made the intro uh, Come See Me to his, his independent album. Yeah, the one before, back for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Incognito. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I, would call, I would always call Lil Fate or Four Eyes to let him hear my beats, you know what I'm saying, over the phone. So I had just made that beat. And I called his house, and he picked up. And when he picked up, he's like, man, what you got? What you got? It's like, I don't know how he knew I had something. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's just, so I played him the beat, and he was like, yo, come over now. Bring all your stuff. So that's how we got close. For me also, um, I know this outcast, but I think at the age I was, and also this is like the beginning of Def Jam South, if I'm not mistaken, that was such a huge record to let the North know. Because this is still regional music at this time. Like, the North was like, oh, shit. Because it arrived in a way we could understand. But it was, um, I can still see the music video in my head, yeah, man. for real, though. And I wanna, you make it so good, I don't want to leave, but I got to what's your fantasy? No idea, what about you? What do you feel like is like, I mean, you've had so many records. Um, and I think you've had so many records for so many eras, too, and artists. I'm curious about your breakthrough record, and maybe it's the one that took off financially, but maybe it's the one like Bangladesh is saying, where maybe it did that, but also it's like the one you were like, nah, I'm here. One could say I used to love her, mm. but probably the thing that I did that I felt like people, it was sold by the pound. That's when I was getting the, the eye, eye contact. You know how you play something and people look at you like... They st- they okay. that they was doing something <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. look back. Yeah, yeah. They was yeah. like, okay, <laughs> this ain't a joke. You know, you gotta remember again, we just Chicago kids. Mm-hmm. We don't even have a concept of making it. It's just staying away from dying. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? People thinking we good. Right? It was never like all that it could be, the scale. Gonna be on, this gonna, you know, it was still just man, y'all like it? Oh man, that's that's, that's what's enough. Up. I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, I I'm I'm weird because I don't really ever look at myself. Right? I and I think it's part of me trying to stay hungry. Like, people would talk to me and say stuff. I'd be like, I don't even want to hear that. Don't <laughs> like, tell me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look at this when it's over. I'm mm. not going to look at it while I'm doing this. I don't even want to talk about it because I, I really want to stay. Like, right now, I'm, I'm going through a phase right now. I, I, took, I took time off for the first time from doing music. Like eight months, I didn't do any music. Is that the longest you've ever taken time? Yeah, no, that's the only time I've taken yes. time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Since I started, right? And meaning I didn't try and make any music, right? I just, I had a, um, my daughter was born and I just said, stop. And 
I just got over COVID. I was like, man, be blessed in the moment and, and okay. live for a minute and stop the... It's important. Yeah, yeah. right? And, and I just started listening to music, and I was like, to the subject, man, music really has changed. Like, what's different? Because I found myself listening to older music sometimes. Same. Right? Yeah. And obviously the numbers say people are listening to catalog more than new music yeah. a lot of times. And I was just asking myself, like, what is it? And then I looked at me, and I was like, man, am I still me? Like, is everybody really still who I liked and loved when I came up? Because it, it evolves, technology changed, the sound changes. Yeah. Right, and just speaking for me, I was like, I gotta start back over, and I and I and I realized what it was for me though. It was really that I became a producer when I was once a beat maker, and people shamed that so much. I started to believe that being a producer was more value than being a beat maker. But my personality lives in that equipment and me. And me doing what I do, and sometimes it just gets so fancy, you know. You you can just orchestrate it, you can configure it, you can yeah. Quincy Jones it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, part of my love for music is the competitive ego of I'm gonna make something you're gonna like. And that you feel like it's more the beat making than like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So when I started back, I just made like a hundred beats <laughs> in a month that I call like no ID beats. They wasn't no extra keyboards and production and this and that. It was like... You weren't aiming at nobody. Like, this yeah, is... people was like, who them beats for? Nobody. Yeah. It's for me to feel like I want to feel. Yeah. Right? And that's what I mean by I don't have time to think about what I accomplished to have, and have that attitude at the same time. And it takes the hunger away from me when I start hearing... Oh man, you this, you that, you look up to It's gonna be a tough combo for you then. Yeah, man. You know that. <laughs> it's gonna be what? It's gonna be a tough combo for you then. Why you say? Because I got some shit lined up, you know? Oh uh, man, some, yeah. but you know, I'm just saying I don't look at I it that you. way. I yeah. look at it like you either good now or you not. Mm. If you're not good now, I love that. <laughs> yeah. You congratulations just, on right. what you accomplished. Right, right. I'm right. in the middle of this thing. <laughs> yeah. I ain't done. Yeah. I'm, I'm Nah, I, I want I want to get that look from yeah. my peers. Like yeah. I feel the same. Yo, all right, cool. Oh. <laughs> it was funny. We was just sitting here, and he was like, "Yo, you did that church girl, huh?" I was yeah. like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Oh, you did that thick, huh?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But that's the energy I'm talking about is diluted with this legacy, classic, legend, talk. Celebrity you know, scale. Yeah, yeah. Flowers. You know, yeah, man. I, you know what? Keep the flowers right now. Hold on. You, I, 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 think, I think they have a value, but I feel what you're saying when sometimes that, like, sometimes they arrive because people aren't properly distributing credit and, and flowers, but then there's a point in time where it's like anything. You can, nah, that's, it's, it's a shift cool. and then we get but stuck. But when you sip your own Kool-Aid, yeah. Yeah. you can start to... You get drunk. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I don't, I people can say it. Mm -hmm. I can't, but I'm like, hey, I'm still as good as my last beat mm -hmm. out here. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it, for me, it's I not it. like that. I 
It sounds good, but I've seen too many people wither off into the, man, boy, you, oh, man, I love you. Next thing you know, they they getting the flowers. You feel me? (laughs) (laughs) On the graves. Um, But now I feel like I don't even want to keep asking about what y'all used to do. But uh, Hit, for you, like, I mean, you were, like, around the same age. You're coming from a world where the rap super producer existed, a world where, like, rap's digitizing itself, you know, going from machine to things like Fruity Loops, Logic, et cetera. Um, But there's also way more people that want to do this, and the competition at ground level is a lot. Listen, man, I just seen a clip of a six-year-old making a whole beat playing keys chopping shit right? like, I've seen a couple but of them I, I mean I've been seeing that coming like it's getting younger and younger it's getting easier it's more programs it's like automated you press one key and it's going crazy like so you know I guess it's just like they're making it fun but at the same time it's like it's tough to for me like I come from like you know seeing like one person name on the credits and I'm like that's that guy right there. Mm-hmm. Now I'm looking at credits and I'm like I can't tell who the guy is because it's six, seven months. You know what I'm saying? People on the credits like I don't know that that's cool, but I also like the ego thing. Like I want to be the best. Like I want to be the best motherfucker making beats, bro. Like you know what I'm saying? Like. That's just how I feel about it. And it's all love because collaboration, that's a big part of music. It's all good. But, man, sometimes I be wanting to be like, yo, I can't tell what's what. It's like it's too many people on the credits. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm, I'm just at that same place as far as like, no, it's like everything you said, I pretty much lived through that too, like in my own way. Like just getting to that point where it transitioned from just being in a room making beats all day to trying to, not even trying, but producing for people. And then you start to overproduce, you start to overthink, and you looking at the charts all of a sudden, like you wasn't doing that when you was at the crib, just thugging, trying to make the illest shit possible. So I try to keep that spirit. Like every day I'm like, I got to make a beat that impresses me. Like, I got to make a beat that's genuinely going to make me get up and be like this motherfucker hard. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. if I'm not doing that, then, hey, it is what it is, man. Like, I'm, you know, it's just like, yeah. Is, is there a world for any of y'all where, because I feel like you're kind of hinting at it. I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm just going to ask you. Is there a world where your own success not diluted your creativity, but was like, I done got some hits. I work with this tier of artists. And you can kind of get stuck in that. Me personally, I had a point where I was like, I'm, I mean, I ain't gonna even name the names, but I had like a list of like, if it ain't them, I'm not even rocking with it. But I'm like, that's that like kind of hindered like my uh, just my progression. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I feel like right with like after niggas in Paris, all around that time, like I just it was a lot going on. So it was like a whirlwind, like going from trying to get on to being on, and then you just moving with Kanye West and you around like Jay-Z, that shit get deep, and it definitely is, you know, you could be impressionable. It's like you could start trying to move like they move when you ain't did what they did. You're not on their level. You got to stick to what it is that you, you got at? going. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah, bro, it's, it's, it's deep. What about for you? Well, I've never, like, I'm I'm into whatever I like. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it could be it could be an independent artist or top-tier artist. Um, that kind of fuels my creativity. You know what I'm saying? So, it's a I know what it's like to be uh, having reached the level that you want to reach. So, you know, it doesn't make you less than. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I, I think 
help breaking something is like eternal. You know what I'm saying? So it could it could it could last forever for you. You could you could change somebody's life. You could be a part of their story, their history forever. And I'm kind of used to that because like like I help break ludicrous. Same yeah. thing. Like we helped each other. So um, that's a story to tell. So I never like. I probably did it too much, you know what I'm saying? Trying to break art, launch something, break artists, or yeah. launch something from, from grassrooted. You mm. know what I'm saying? So, like, like he said, he he went the other way. I went the other way, mm. and it could it could hinder your progress too. But you know what that is, right? We was from a place where yeah, it uh, it took me about <laughs> yo. I turned down producing for people because it was a foreign concept to me. I'm like, what you mean? What do you mean you turn down producing for people? Like, like, you know, little into the journey, people will be like, yo, so-and-so want a beat from you. I'm like, oh, what are y'all talking about? I produce with Common. Because to me, it was like, nobody wasn't asking to go produce N.W.A., like, mm. nobody wasn't asking to Pete, produce Pete Rock see us. Like, that era, there was no shopping beats. Mm. You could do a remix, but there was no shopping beat. Nobody, you'd be like, I got a beat for y'all. It's like, what? What are you talking mm. about? Crazy. So it took time for me to even go like, oh. Because, you know, I, I credit I credit actually Illmatic for being the record that started the multi-producer trend where mm. people not working together in a room as a collective unit. Like, that was the first time I saw an album with... This guy, this dude, this yeah, person. Like yeah, like, that guy yeah. from Gangstar did some beats. That guy from Pete Rock and them did... I'm like, what? That's right. kind of crazy. That's, that's real. Which, so, I never experienced trying to get on a set being like, yo, you got some raps? I got some I got stuff some for beats. you. I got some stuff for you. Let's see how they like what we got. It was no like, yo, I'm going to get a manager and... <laughs> it didn't even exist yet, yeah. and you yeah, I remember, man, I'm making like a couple hundred dollars per beat on the first record. I wasn't; it was nothing. It it wasn't no business. It was pure. I'm yo, doing let's this. show them we good. It's so funny to watch that pendulum swing because then years later, I think about present day Nas. And he's working with Hit, and he's like, we're going to work on the whole project together. And Nas is like, I'm going to work with a singular producer, which is so the opposite of how he started, right? And we're brought him a claim. I'm curious for you all how the business of production has changed over time, whether it's even being your own business person or shopping beats to more than one person, not working on a singular album, right? Like, how have things changed in the industry over time for all of you all just doing business as a producer? We do music for free, Right. We try and sell the product of doing music, mm. right? Every day we wake up, we get nothing to do music. Mm -hmm. After it's made, we go like, oh, maybe I can do something with that. But the process, you don't get paid hourly. There's no guarantee. Nothing, no like benefits. No other, you know? I might drop you. still ain't get <laughs> Yo, the it's, it's really... <laughs> so I, at a certain point in time, I accept, accepted it. It's like trying to grow food in a farm like you might get something you might not right but you still got to do that and then when you get something you figure out what you're going to do with maybe it maybe I'll eat something it's funny Alchemist was here uh, just the other week 
And he was talking about, you know, he likes the idea of being creative and being his own boss as a producer. But he was like, what would, if I had a job, what would someone pay me to do this? He's like, I might work on a beat for months. I might work on a beat for 18 hours. I might put a beat together in 15 minutes. You know, what would I do if I was getting paid hourly versus what are you going to do if I work on a beat for months and it doesn't go anywhere? He's like, I'm just, you couldn't, you couldn't wrap a business around what I do as a producer. Like he said, we just be, we don't get paid, man. You probably got millions of beats sitting right exactly. here. Millions. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And like, we could, we could like be billionaires. We got ideas that we have to sell or... or Timing too. Yeah, the timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a So around. it's like, man. Can we talk about the value of timing and what you do? You've all lasted the test of time. You guys have all been artists that, in many ways, been ahead of your time. You guys are also the product of people seeing what you're doing right now. And I can look up anywhere. I bet you I can go open this app up right now and be like Bangladesh type beat, Hit Boy type beat, No mm -hmm. ID type beat. How important is timing in what you do and finding your success as a producer? And how has that changed over time? Because like. You might have a sound, but it might change. Or I feel like we've been in a trap era for 13 years, you know, and trying to get sounds through. Is that like finding the right artist? Is that is that not like... I think about it, for instance, present day. In rap media, you know, it's like there was a large part where like there's a trend happening and we're pushing that trend, whether we mean to or not. And now it feels like this shit is so democratized and so fractured that like... Shit don't even feel underground as much as it just feel like it's over there. It's over there. It feels like it feels a little more horizontal now, so more sounds are breaking through. But see, you're talking about money. When you Versus just, what's happening. First, when you just like... You say trend. I want to make some music, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I want people to like it, right? Yeah. Because when you do it that way, it don't dictate... Nothing dictates anything. Right. Right? But if you got to go like, yo, this is... This is what's happening. So I'm going to... Like, that's important to know. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying... It kind of put a shelf life on it, though. <laughs> and, and, and bookends, do you feel like that's happening now? Like, do you feel like the commerce of rap has got us in a... And I don't even know if you guys agree with this. Like, do you feel like the commerce of rap has, like, got us in a period where we're hearing kind of the same sound over and over and over again? And there's less evolution or development in music? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like... You know, I don't even want to say no names, but like it's like those certain big like trap artists, like they don't even need a dope beat. Like they can use the same beat mm. essentially over and over with some pianos, guitar, eight oh eight, same clap, yeah. same snares, and they fan base is gonna eat it up. Versus <clears throat> when you know rappers was coming up, they had to have a beat that just sounded signature. Mm. They had to it had to have a custom thing to it. Now, like they literally could almost rap on the same beat over and over. Bro. It's kind of like when I used to hear like. Reggae beats, oh, and they would just do the. Or like the, be the a reggae tone, anything that was like the same. That's became hip hop now. Like it's it's like like you said, like you hear the same beat over and over. And see, we technical, like we're 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 producers, so we the consumer might not even notice this. It's not as nuanced. Kind of got to point it out. Like I could be in front of somebody, like man, that's the same beat. They don't even notice it until what you start care? pointing. They don't care. They don't really care, yeah. Until you start pointing it out. He's like, oh, okay. Why do you think that is? The game is just different. I don't know. I mean, like, have I think it's, it's a popular thing. Like, it's just. Yeah. But you know what I think, I think about, and I could again. I could why, have my do you, why do you say that it is that way? Because well, when I meet people, it, interesting enough, the only thing that say that to me is numbers. 
Yeah. I don't meet people that really it's, it's, are that boxed in, right? I meet young people that be like, I'm listening to this, 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 this. And then we see something with a lot of numbers and go, well, that's that got to be what it, it is. And I'm like, I think I think it is. Okay. I think what Not we are talking real. about is, is okay. I think it is numbers. I think we are talking about like the popular sound of rap. Like I feel like I've, I remember kind of hearing rap change over time in these windows that felt like I can't predict into three or four years. But like I remember the Diddy era. There was other sounds happening, but I remember like all right, then it's like Timberland, Pharrell. I remember these waves coming in. I remember um, Little John era the same way. I started experience uh, Midwest at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. And then I remember like. But it feels like I've been hearing in the popular sound, the sound has kind of pushed a lot. It's on these playlists as well, including Rap Caviar. Well, no. uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I feel like we've been living in trap for a long time, and I don't have a problem with it. I think it's birthed other sounds, like it's part of the drill sound as well. You can see why it's made that palette. It's made it more palatable to people, even though it's coming from another region. But it feels like that popular sound has been here for such a long time compared to the way we progress through other eras and other other regions and it feels weird well, because it's just the same thing though bro but there's to more me, access trap to is more disco. music hmm? to me yeah, trap is disco tempo, right? high disco. energy mm. music and it, it, people was oh man the dis- get the disco, disco out have, of here man uh-huh. oh, we gotta go somewhere and not even that had to go but the disco <clears throat> the disco sit for 15 years on charts it's a lot of years mm-hmm. o- over 10 no, it's funny because I think like I I say that you know a lot of the trap stuff be sounding the same, but then you listen to the the Shylights and the Delphonics and all. It's like essentially that stuff sound the same too. Mm. Like big string yeah. lines and horns, Motown. brass. Like yeah, a lot yeah. of it sound the same. So I guess it's just music at the end of the day yeah. and everybody being inspired, taking from each other and just you and know, I, pushing I think, it in their own way. I think the trap came after the crunk. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely like you know hand in hand. But it's like crunk is not, and if people still making crunk too, uh, and it's elements of crunk obviously in mad music, but there's something that feels like it's like crunk happened and then it led to trap and then it feels like it's been trap for mm. a minute. Like I could be wrong, you know. It's too many, but it's too. That's what I'm saying. It's too many variations of it mm. to really try and say it's all one lump. Call one it thing. all the same thing. It's really just because. I I mean you go crunk then I'm gonna go Memphis mm. yeah I was I'm gonna, gonna go say that too they been doing base, that Florida yeah yeah Cali mm-hmm. right it was really the 808 drum machine yeah, yeah. I that feel like that's the birthed. sound of what yeah. we hear now yeah like so, Florida Memphis Atlanta booty shake yeah. when it wasn't popular you know do you feel like um are you guys still sensing that evolution in rap? And I don't mean like in the corners and corners of rap. I'm talking about like in mainstream rap. Do you still feel like that sense of evolution's happening or even that thing that made you say, I'm going to turn on the radio and be like, do I feel connected to this? Oh, you listen to the radio for <laughs> real. But I mean, you know, I, the I, idea I, the radio. I, I definitely <laughs> know that um, it's people out there pushing in their own way and, and customizing what it is they do. So, you know, it's like it's not all messed up for sure, but... You just sometimes like it's like man, you'll see a some pop up like you know this new artist just passed up Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley. Like how do how you just got in the game? Like you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like we got to separate streaming and sell and selling records From first of all, making music and, and yeah, because because I throw two things in the mix and then I'm gonna leave that alone. It's like if I made some records back in the day and bought them back from the store myself, am I hot? 
Well, the numbers say I'm hot. Okay. Mm. So now mm. companies want to follow that. But I bought the records. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And gave them away or paid somebody to play them. And, you know, and the obvious thing that I'm going to say about that goes on today is yeah. we don't really know. We know what we like. Mm-hmm. And we hear about what people say, right? But I know, like, when we talk about them records, it's like, so how many streams you think Michael really got off them vinyls? <laughs> like, are we counting that? Or mm, right. we just count one sale? And y'all done played it for 20 years, bought it five times from the resale store, and that was and played it. it again. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is, it's apples and oranges to even be talking about yeah. it. I feel like, but it's like, even if we remove the numbers, it's like it's. I feel like there's no mistake in that. Like trap is is so prevalent, just like in where you hear it, where it's at. It's. It, I, I think it's the time we in whatever whatever agenda is being pushed. You know what I'm saying? That's the type of music is going to be pushed to the forefront. Yeah. How important for you all as producers is it to like constantly push that not that agenda, but to push a new agenda to try different sounds and sneak them through? I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Is what Young Chop did trap? Trap adjacent, I think there's a pipeline from Trap to Young Chop. Young Chop is getting closer to like that space in between that and like drill. But I, I, feel, I feel like that's the father of the yeah drill mm-hmm. <laughs> right there, like w- along with some other people. But yeah, that's that coined it right. Yeah, Keith, Dirk, Reese, all of that right. But then you got UK drill, you got Brooklyn drill, Brooklyn drill. So you got some I go going if we gonna all call that trap. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not like as a detail. I don't, I don't think it should have the same title. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely different. Did, did he do trap? Tra- was somebody on a hard 808 beat talking about gangster shit? Yeah. So, so what's, what's your yeah. fantasy trap? Yeah. I would. That was creative, I, but I, it was I hard. Think, like, I think it's what they saying too. I think what's your like the the top line on? It's like a sexual song. I don't think it's like sexual can be trap. Mm. Yeah, I'm just talking about the beat. Yeah. When you yeah, made it. Wise, right? mm. yeah. Do you feel like the technology influences sort of what people are making as well? Like, is that ever... Because, I mean, like, obviously you have, like, drum machines and 808s before. I mean, 808s, you have drum machines. And then present day, everyone's doing stuff digitally, right? Like, almost everybody. Mm. Do you feel like the tech influences what people make? I I personally do. Like, just, like, even just seeing something on a grid versus just looking straight and messing with the keys you know what I'm saying that's just different messing with the drum pads versus like you literally can see and line up you you don't even have to play it you could just be like well if you know the patterns you literally don't even have to be listening to it as you programming it you could put the kick the snare the hi-hat and then press play and it's gonna be a whole like, oh, pattern look what I did literally but you know that's the evolution of it and that's why six year olds is able to make mm-hmm. beats and that's just where it is you know so you know it is what it is how important is it for you all in the roles that you're in, the spaces you guys are in as well, um, to push new sounds? Man. I feel like when you look at it, just in the cat, like currently, I don't know what y'all working on, what y'all guys got on Tuck Secret. I don't know what you guys see is coming next, but it's wild diversity under all y'all's names. really nothing under the sun that's new. I think um, how you utilize stuff, you know what I'm saying, could be presented to the world as new, but... It's kind of like when when Pharrell had the uh, the grinding beat that shoo, shoo, shoo. Yo, yo, yo. 
I go by the name I'm of Pharrell from the Neptunes, and I just want to let y'all know, I'm your pusher. The world is about to feel something that they never felt before. Like we all crossed that in the keyboard. You know what I'm saying? It's just like niggas never just going through that made a beat. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> we got these sounds. You know what I'm saying? It's like what intrigues the producer. That's that what I'm saying. Like creates it. As producers, um, the value in being like, especially with producers that have such a diverse palette, and you know, you guys don't want to hear it, but like are who you are, um, to be like, I went left, but today I'm gonna go right, versus being like, I went left and left worked. And the numbers say they work, so I'm going to go left again. I'm going to go left again. I'm going to go left again. Pursue the money, pursue the dopeness. Mm -hmm. When you want to be dope, you can't prop up the money. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. It just depends on who we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Some people just want money. Then, of course, that's the path for them. But there are people who like, I want to be dope. I want people to go... Yo, him. I, th I think everybody here is like in that dope field. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not that money field. I think we all like, um, we like go money. left. Yeah. <laughs> we go left, and things just happen to go right. You know what I'm saying? Like I've never thought like, oh, I need to make this kind of record. simplify, and oh, I want to. I feel like that's not dope. To, when know. I tried to do that and I tried to make more niggas in Paris, that shit didn't pan up. I yeah. just like every beat that turned up was just me and there having fun yeah. trying to impress myself. You know what I'm saying? And then it's funny what you said earlier about like Sonics, because I felt the same way about myself. Like I literally was trial and error doing beat by beat, just kind of, you know, borrowing styles or whatever. But, you know, it's developed into me being able to do, you know, four Nas albums in two years because I can understand Sonics mm -hmm. now and I know how to give artists that space to breathe. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I be thinking about days where I'm like, damn, when Click was out or Niggas in Paris was out, if I had this mind, like, and understood Sonics, I would be, I would have smashed yeah. way more shit. So, yeah. you know, I'm trying to take advantage of that now, though. That's how it was with a Millie for me. Like, like I go in sessions with people and, like, that's what they want. They like. I they never said I want a milli, but that's why we here. They do. I <laughs> never. I was always going left. Mm. Man, what about like when you make a beat that you feel like, man, this shit is so fire, and then you play it for motherfuckers, play it two, three, that nobody do it, but then when that one right motherfucker yeah. pull up, and it's like I knew this shit was yeah. hard the whole time. Like, but let's go back to timing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That just happened to me literally like a couple of days ago. Joint. I'm like, like, it's no way niggas ain't rapped on this shit. Right, right. And the right person came through and just gassed it was just mm -hmm. perfect can you give can you give me an example of that uh maybe not the people it didn't work out for but the person that got it and what that that felt like that's another thing why it's timing because this particular artist is in that bag where he like i gotta prove some shit right now you know what i'm saying and i gotta go harder than i ever went so it's just like he can identify like this a dope ass beat versus walking in a room and he already feel like he got all this shit figured out and it's like just give me a beat i'm gonna do like he like nah i need some some of that shit shit so it's just it feel good when you can get them joints off that you like i don't know how motherfucker ain't rapped on this yet do you have a prior example that's that in our world and the world i live in it resulted in a song that i can press play on right now i could pull up like I mean, yeah, I mean, shit, plenty. Niggas in Paris, I played that for other artists and shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Plenty joints. Mm. Mm-hmm.
about for y'all? I mean, that's that's that's, I, that's, that's I mean, being currently that's being I a producer, did man. The church girl beat about four and a half years ago, and really? it just sat in J computer. I forgot about it. And then I get a call like, yo. And I'm like, oh. Wait, so. Word? Oh. Okay. Church Girl's done four and a half years ago. The beat, yeah. And yeah, the beat's done. It's just sitting around. Because yeah. I actually did it at their house and I just left it in the computer. I didn't even think about it. No, I'm like, you're going to do this record. And then time goes by and be like, oh, you're not going to do and this. See, record. this is funny. It's, <laughs> it's funny, though. And I just go, man, just. I don't. I don't. What I'm gonna do? Go back and pull the record back and go. So I just go. Eh, it's over there. So how did how did you find out it was coming into? I mean, they just called me and was like, "Yo, that'd be that buzzer beater." (laughs) Yeah, I was like, like, "Let me hear it." And I heard it and was like, "Okay, that's my beat." I did the thick beat in 2014. That's that's on Renaissance. (laughs) Eight years ago, thick for Beyonce. I made that in 2014. I made that in the same session I did feeling myself for Nikki and Beyonce. And, Ooh, and she held it for eight years and just put it out. You know what I'm saying? So, What was the reception when you first did it? Did they not get it? Did just like, there were other agenda, no, she, different she things? She loved it, just but it didn't timing, work out man. for timing, work timing out for of where like, she was at sonically at that moment. Yeah. But she always loved a beat. I guess she pulled it back up, finished yeah, it, and was like, this is what I'm on, so I'm about to add it to the, to the album. And see, them them two beats stick out to me when I heard the album. I really never heard the album until like, I'm in the car with my, my kid's mom, mm. you know, because it's really some chick shit, you know what I'm saying? So she was going through it, playing, I'm like, damn. Then the church beat come on, like, play that again. <laughs> And the thick be, I'm like, it's it's funny, like we sitting here, cause like the, we we different, you know what mm. I'm saying? Like things like it is left, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I've done beats that was nine years old, you know. Qual like when you make when you doing you, nothing gets old. If you're like in the time of what's trending. That's when stuff get old, you know what I'm saying? But if you're doing you, if you have a style and what you're doing, like, it, it don't, sonically, it's not going to be old. I got to hit my man off with this. No, he, he ain't going to like it, but he going to like it. I, I used to have a running joke with J. Cole, like, yo, I got to do a session with you so I could do a beat that you're not going to use that I could get off. <laughs> I just need your inspiration. <laughs> I think it was like a week or two we was working in the beginning, beginning. <clears throat> and I, I think I did, for him, I did uh, the control beat, uh, stay, Tears of Joy, My Last, it's something else. <laughs> and it was just like, nah, that ain't it. And I was, and then just them records go and get placed. Like you gave him the find your loving beat too. Nah, that was, I was like, wait, what? that was that's another story. But that was for um that was for another artist. And we played it for in Hawaii and and the artist passed. And then actually Drake was like, yo, man, can you help me get that beat? 
And I was like, yeah, I'm going to help you get it. But I thought he was just going to rap over the beat. Mm. And he literally, so it was a song. Crazy. So it was a singer song. What's that process like when you got something lined up for someone? You're like, oh, I'm, I'm inspired by this. Let's work it together. And they don't connect. And do you just, you just take, the, I mean, it's, it's yours, right? You just take the beat and hand it off someone. Do you get that call afterwards? Like, damn. I personally don't care no more. I just make music. That's my point. <laughs> yeah, you can't like, care I'm going to just no make more. enough like, music till I can't make music no more. You can't mm. care. And it's here. Do what you got to do. Don't do what you got to do. Mm. It's what I'm born to do. So me doing it is not a taxing thing. Like I'll make music for free in my heart. What's mm-hmm. well what's it like? So when you make the ones that are just for you, then what about the ones where you like you set out and you're like, I'm working with you, right? The difference between being a beat maker and a producer or beat making for the artist, right? So still maybe have that beat making energy, but you're aiming it at a certain artist and it takes off. Like, do you guys have those experiences where it actually like I lined up with you and then boom, it worked and it's been a hit? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, all the above, man. Like, you work so much, like, you're going to have good, bad, and the ugly. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, you. I think I think the, the, the energy with you locking in with artists, the artists got to really fuck with you. Mm-hmm. You know Trust. what I'm saying? Trust you. 100%. And that's when you have great energy where, where things happen. I think that, that happened with men... Gucci would eliminate, you know, he like, he wanted, like, he was, he was, he fuck with me, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I could produce, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like what you hear, like, the first thing you hear is, like, the end-all, be-all. It's like, I could give him a little, he do a little, I, t- yeah. I do yeah. more. Yeah. Like, that's the fun part, you know what I'm saying? That's fun, that's producing. But, you know, you got people that, just go through beats, uh, go through beats. They trying to hear what they want to hear. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Instead of letting that that, that build that, happen, yeah, that, that that build. You know what I'm saying? That something that you're not expecting. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And like lemonade was it was it was a fun session. Like it was it, it turned into um it created a whole new audience for him. You know what I'm saying? Just from trusting it. You know what I'm saying? Was wasn't used to that type of energy. You know what I'm saying? Bringing him something new that got him something new. Yeah, and that's hard to do with people that's established. They don't really want to step out their comfort zone. They kind of want you to come to the table with the same things they've been doing. I think about it like when you have a team that's winning. Let's say you got like a a winning quarterback, right? You want to you want to ring with them. Maybe they're aging a little bit, and now your team has to switch to like. A running offense, and it's hard to get away from the thing that you've won before, right? Like, you've you've had success, right? Success could almost be like suffocating in that way, and you got to be like, look, we're going to change our offense a little bit. We're still going to win. It might not be the way that we won before. Like having to deal with that shift. I'm curious for you all, what artist? Right, you talking about trust, where the artist is trusting you. Which artist for you has maybe altered the way you produced or had something to say? Uh, we had another episode that we filmed. We were talking just about uh, Kendrick's involvement in, in production and beat making and how he's um, really a part of it. And a lot of producers are willing to be open to be like, yeah, he's he's a part of this. He has his hands on it. He has ideas he comes to the table with. I think about um, these are stories I've heard about 444 where Jay's like, I got some ideas. And for you to be a producer to be like, let me hear him. Right. Like, I got some ideas. I'm going to work with you on it. So if you guys had relationships with artists you've worked with, 
where maybe they not just helped put the song together, but changed the way you thought about what you were doing? Man, I mean, definitely. I would say um, <clears throat> working on the first King's Disease for Nas, like we did a song with Dirk on there uh, called Till the War is One, and he's like forwarded me something off Instagram, and it had it was like some clip, and it had some music behind it, and he was like, yo, this shit sound ill, and I ended up chopping it up, and we used it on the album, put Dirk on it, and it was solid. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that's that trust, like yeah. trusting each other. Like this, is what he want to hear? I'm gonna put my own flair on it and just like let it be. And you name an iconic artist, so like they already have a. We already seen what they doing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So you could tell, like Ken, you could tell Kendrick's involved with his mix. You know what I'm saying? So you wouldn't have no problem with. You know, being open to collaborating on a level like that. Yeah, but and, and, and even when you say that, think about it. Every artist should have some say, some, some contribution <laughs> you know, to it. Right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's just right. logical. You know, it's sometimes funny when artists. Um, sometimes funny when artists want to, you know, be listed in certain oh. ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like. The whole album is you. It's like your name, right? Like everything in here is mm-hmm. you. You're going to be on the liner notes. You're going to be there. Like yeah. all these other categories is just for the extra contributors mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Right? But, you know, it's all about people wanting to be recognized for their input. But I personally, I don't, I, I still don't look at it that way. Like the 444 stories are a little. How much is it people in my seat being like, ah, you know? Yeah, no, nah, it just takes straight. its own stories. It really yeah. was us just going back and forth. I got more beats than you got raps and this and mm-hmm. that. And then he, oh, and then we talk. And, like, that's another thing that is overlooked in making records. Mm-hmm. You got to communicate. How much of that is conversation? Like you just sending something to somebody. They just that's a doing lot of something. studio time. That's, right a, that's a different thing than... We talking and then the the idea sparks up or whatever. It starts so, to build. Yeah, so really it was I was just making a lot of beats fast. Do you got something you want me to sample? And he was like, I got a playlist here, right? And I go, Oh, I'm gonna just hook up everything in the whole play playlist, and then that generated a a vibe within a itself because it's things I would never hook up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I probably would never sample Stevie Wonder like that because I don't even think I could clear it <laughs> in an average yeah. scenario. But he said do it. I'm going to do it. Let's see what happens. The perfect case scenario of someone bringing you something and it changes something, they, they take you in a space that you wouldn't have gone, right? Yeah. yeah. You got to be open to that. Like Otherwise, you're going to make the same music over and over. I look at it like scoring an artist. Like you score a movie. If you're just making music and saying, hey, go in the movie. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, like, this is like a horror theme. Yeah, like, this is a horror like, movie. It's a rom-com. It's a love scene and you brought a <laughs> you got the Jason. You got the Jason music. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I'm just scoring people in my book, so mm. I don't... That's a bar. That's hard. You know That's what hard. I mean? I'm just... Like what you what you where you going? Yeah. What do you wear? How do you talk? Yeah. <laughs> what you eat? Okay. Yeah. This fits that mm-hmm. versus but that's what I'm talking about, that being a producer. That's producing to me. Mm. 
like beat making is this beat was hard. Yeah, and a little you, more internal, yeah. a little more. I'm gonna go up myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a very like this type of show question, but like a memorable session that cuts through over all, not over all of them, but a memorable session that cuts through that still lives in the top of your mind. And I say that because you guys have worked with so many people and the fans have so many songs that mean a lot to us, but one that's like, it cuts through and it might not be because the record was the best. It might be because I like this person and they taught me this. Too many to name, man. There's <laughs> a lot. Just one. Um, one, I would have to say, uh, I would have to say, like working with Eminem, like after... After um, you know, he's he's Eminem like top tier, you know. And I I didn't put my tag on the beat. He was like, "Man, you gonna put that tag on there?" And like that, that like I was Still. like, "Damn, that's hard." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I was like, "That's hard." He asked me to put it on there. Um, I I think one of my favorite um sessions though were um Gucci. Lemonade. Mm. Gucci's a fun artist to work with. He's more yes than no. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So he just kind of like works. And we kind of like will pick the best thing from what we're doing. He's not like real technical. Like, you ain't got to go through all this stuff. And it's just, he fun, you know. Um, like I said, making lemonade, you know, he's just out the blue. I just had the little basis of the beat he's like out the bleach like everything yellow bang everything yellow what's up baby yellow everything this time you know what i'm talking about yellow rounds yellow big booty yellow bones <laughs> yellow rounds yellow mps yellow watch fast approval processes can almost be jarring sometimes but i, I like that i'm learning that myself for you um <clears throat> i'm gonna say when me and Nip tapped in to do Racks in the Middle, that was ill, you know what I'm saying? Like, just because I didn't even intentionally play him that song for him to have. I played it one time, and he was like, yo, play that again, and I played it again, and he was like, yo, bro, I need you to give me this record. Like, I literally was about to put it out with Roddy. It was going to be my producer record, mm. me featuring Roddy. Played it for Nip, and, you know, as soon as he heard it, he was like, nah, bro, I need you to give me this. And some in me was like, you know, forget it. I'm going to roll with it. Just let him get it. And he went crazy. Like, he really put some time. It's three verses on the song. He left it all on that motherfucker. So that was just a moment. Then we won a Grammy for it, so that was just ill. It was dark clouds on us, but that was perfect for us. You know, you always crash and burn, but it was working for us. Let my tent to V12. Double check the details. I think I've answered that question multiple times. So yeah. I, I want to pick something that's not, because I, I can go through the list of how I used to love it happen or how Death of Auto Tune happened that day. But I think those stories are out there. Yeah. For 44, the song. Like it, it was a lot of interesting stuff in my life. But one I never really told was um, me and Kanye had like an interesting relationship when he was younger because. Obviously, I'm older, so I meet him. He's 14. I'm, I'm an adult. He's a kid, right? So I'm helping him, and a lot of this helps me to this day because I'm like helping someone and watching them go to where they go makes you respect everybody you meet. Yeah, because you know anything is possible it's with dope. anybody, right? So during those years, we didn't really ever consider ourselves work producing with each other it was more like 
I'll show him some stuff. Then he'll go around D-Dot and learn some stuff. And I'll be like, oh, that was kind of, mm. that's ill. So it was an exchange going on. And then when his mom passed, one of our friends was like, yo, you, you got to be more present for bro. Right? And I was like, okay, you know. Because, again, to me, he's still the young guy I knew. And, you know, think about it. If you're, like, 19, 20, and it's a 14-year-old, and you're, like, in Chicago, you're like, yo, <laughs> don't even come around this. Yeah. This is not, you know, all my friends was, yeah. you don't even want to be around this, you know. And um, I remember the, I, I ran into him in... in, in uh, at Essence Festival, like we on purpose, and we was talking. He was like, "Yo, man, I'm going to Hawaii, making some piece of J. You want to come work together?" And it was a foreign thought to me. I'm like, "Why would we <laughs> do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do the same, similar. But you gonna hit the kick and I hit the snare? <laughs> like, how's this gonna? But I was like, don't just go, just go, just go, go. Yeah. right? And when I went, I remember the first day." To me, I felt like life had impacted him, and he was different, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't like that kid making all the beats real fast or on it, right? It was more like taking a life breather. And I was like, yo, man, we just got to set up a system where we all contribute. And I remember the first session we did, the first two days, we just made like 13 beats too easy, Right, and it started the whole Hawaii run, which was a lot of records, right? And I remember we used to sit at this breakfast table and um, just talk and look at the ocean. Uh, you know how you look at somebody out the corner of your eye, and we both looking at each other like, damn, you saw what just happened? <laughs> he like, yeah, man, that was... That was way too easy, man. <laughs> like, that was the easiest work we had ever done because we're so used to carrying all the boxes. Mm. You know what I mean? It was the first time we had shared information and then put two arms, multiple arms, because you got to remember, it's Jeff Basket, Mike did, yeah. playing Pat. And it was like, yo, this going to be way too easy. <laughs> so I'm putting it in the story because it's really, he's an artist. Mm -hmm. So even though he's a producer, I was in with an artist, and that kind of expanded my perspective on how to make records because I've always been such a self-inclusive mm. type of producer, beat maker. Like, well, that's all I got a keyboard player or, you know. Oh. But like a peer-level producer and that can really that. get it done without me, Collaborating with those type of people, it was like my first thing. And I think um, it was no like sun in, in the equation. Just like, let's make this. Yeah, let's just yeah. make it. It was not like. And this is my beautiful Dark Twisted yeah. Fantasy, right? Well, it was 808. And Blueprint 3 and Dark Twisted and leading into. <sighs> you know, it was a run that a lot of records went out the door to people. Yeah. And, and stayed in there and. You know, that's that flip side of, yeah, the ego wasn't there. It was zero ego for us to do that. We actually had to empty the cup. In order to be able to sit at the table and be like, let's make this. And, yeah. and not just share information, but share 
creativity. And process. Like, you know, a lot of people, you know. Yeah. I shut my laptop a lot of times. People come around. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know you like that. <laughs> to be, Facts. I don't know, what, you know what's going on here, man. Let me just cook. <laughs> I give you the cake afterwards, you know. Yeah, yeah. But to just open it up and play a role, it's almost like when you hear them stories about Stevie Wonder doing backgrounds or mm. on a record or mm-hmm. Marvin Gaye writing for Luther Vandross. It's like, that's Marvin Gaye, though. Why, why would he even? Well, you know what? Sometimes we got to get past. Mm-hmm. And kind of what you were saying, it's that creativity first, right? Like putting that, that, yeah. at, putting that as premiere and everything else can fall by the wayside. Yeah. 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 Guys, I have a thousand more questions I could ask you, but I know we got to wrap real quickly. Um, guys, thank you for this. I, I still think this is wild. Like, I can't believe you guys are all here in one room. Oh, I, um, I feel like you guys are going to have another meeting. I won't be there. Uh, <laughs> them type of sessions. My ego might not let it go. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if you guys ever... <laughs> we, could, we could run a part two, but Catch guys... you on the battlefield. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> See you at the awards. Thank you guys for pulling up, man. This means a lot to me. You guys, this is Rap Caviar Podcast. Make sure you tune in next week and follow for more.